This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 165 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections. For the whole universe of equestrian shopping at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. And Fleeceworks, for the finest fleece saddle pads available at prices you won't believe at fleeceworks.com. Reese Coffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Philip. How are you this week? Great. How are you doing, Reese? I'm doing great. I survived and had a great time at the Young Rider Championships last week. That's awesome. I mean, we've got a, a few guests from the, the championships on our show today, so we're going to hear from them. But I just wanted to say before that, that we're going to have a an early episode next week to do with everything at the Olympics. I know. We're going to have an Olympic preview. Kathy Connolly is going to come on, and uh, we're going to go through the teams, and we're going to go through the individuals and kind of go from there. So really looking forward to it. Great. I know that all the excitement and all the hype is towards the Olympics, but first we have to get over how everyone did at the, uh, at the Young Riders. How, how did your rider do? Kathy did great. I was so proud of her. She, um, you know, it's such a big, overwhelming show. Uh, that's the, uh, I think it's the highest rated show in the U.S. this year, and or in North America, actually. And it is enormous, and it's very daunting. Uh, lots of, you know, it's, it's the first time these guys have been on a team and dealing with team dynamics, and there's lots of different uh, social events uh, where the kids can meet each other and talk, and, 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 and it's overwhelming. There's a lot going on. So she uh, had a great team test, uh, one mistake in the pirouette, and then um, going to the individual test, it was also extremely hot here, and uh, and Plato didn't have the best test. It wasn't a bad test. He really tried and was really listening, but we kind of ran out of horsepower. So, um, but that's it's all good to know that about the championships and how we would do things differently. So overall, she had a phenomenal time, and uh, it really was a fun week for everybody. Yeah, how about you? Did you have a good week? Yeah, nothing really, you know, super interesting. You know, we had a a small local horse show. Over the weekend, and uh, I had a few riders in it, and you know, we're just about having fun and just getting involved at a very grassroots level, you know, in dressage, and and a lot of riders, kind of their first season, you know, just getting into it. So I really like that. It's it's exciting because, you know, it's just positivity. You know, we're not talking about high performance riding or you know big stress. It's just you know, it's just fun to have a nice local show to go to, and uh, it keeps it light and 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 fun. So. I think that's awesome. So uh, this week we're, we're kind of doing our wrap-up show of the, of the Young Riders, and uh, we are going to hear from Brandy Ronick. She won, uh, actually she won all the Young Rider events, the team, individual, and freestyle, um, Weltino's Magic. Uh, then we're going to hear from Amanda Johnson. Uh, she is a, a coach. Uh, she was a coach of a rider and owner of a horse uh, that went there, and she's also an alumni. And to wrap up today's show, we're going to have Jeremy Steinberg. He is the USEF uh, youth coach. 
and he's going to talk a little bit about what happened at the Young Riders and also where he's taking uh, the Young Rider program. That's exciting to hear about what the future vision is for this and, and to continue to grow Young Rider and Junior programs to, you know, maybe so they get as big as they are in Europe. That would be awesome. We have some results. Um, the the um, European Young Riders uh, was going on also last week. and yeah, That's the um, European ponies. Yeah. So what happened with them? Um, well, as usual, Germany takes the dressage team medal. I mean, they, I mean, they've got a program there that's been running for a long time, and uh, they're normally expected to win. So that's great. But uh, Netherlands took the individual gold, and um, the freestyle was won by German Semika Rothenberger, and that's a name yeah. that you'll hear a lot in dressage. Yes. Her, her father and her mother were very, um, you know, phenomenal riders, and so they've passed it on to their kids. That's great. So why don't you tell us about the, the results from the North American Junior Young Rider Championship since you were there? The gold medal went to Region 5, United States Region 5, uh, which was Madeline Burke, Victoria Ferdendal, uh, Brandy Ronick, who we'll hear from later in the show, and Devin Wyckoff, Region 7. Uh, took the silver medal, and Canada also did quite quite well. So that was exciting in the young rider division. Uh, and then the junior team, Nicole Morgan won the gold medal, and Lawrence Blasternil was second in in the silver medal. So that was again a, a wonderful thing. Uh, Quebec, Canada took the gold medal in the juniors. Uh, Region seven won another silver medal, and Region nine was bronze. So it was uh, an exciting week, and uh, Philip, your Canadians were re- well represented. They did awesome, you know, and uh, especially in the juniors, um, in the freestyle, our, our riders won gold and silver. Time the horse park was wonderful, looked fabulous. So I, I look forward to next year. I think right now the horse park's a, a little bit of a permanent home for the young riders until that changes. Uh, and as we'll hear from Jeremy later on in the show, uh, it, it's a great venue, and it really gives all the kids an idea of what a, a world championship venue is going to look like and feel like. It was definitely tight quarters. The horses had to be in a very tight FBI area with the jumpers and uh, the event horses. So, again, the kids kind of got an idea of what it feels like to, to be in that type of venue. We're going to be right back with Brandy Roenick after this commercial from Fleeceworks. Coach Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show, and I'm joined by Judy McSwain from Fleeceworks, and she is going to bring us up to speed on the fantastic variety of square pads available at Fleeceworks. And Judy, it looks like you've got something for everybody in here. You know, we do. Our square pad series is, it'll just take care of just about any kind of rider. We do it in the Therawool, and we do it in our sheepskin, and all of the pads have the perfect balance technology which means it has the ability to use the front inserts or the full inserts or any of our back risers. In addition, we do all our inserts in foam or in the new wool. So it's quite an extensive uh, group of choices. And the pads that we do is we do in the dressage. We do one in jumping or close contact, and then we do one in cross country. And each one's a little bit different. The dressage square pad is the longest pad in the industry, from pole to croup, per se. So along that top line, it is the longest pad that's made in the industry. So many dressage riders 
told me that the pads just weren't quite long enough for the new saddle. So we made that adjustment. And then the jumping pad is once again one of the longest ones in the industry. And the cross country is a little bit unique. And then what we've done is taking the jump in and we modified the cut a little bit so that there's less pad on the horse. We did, however, leave just enough back by the cantle of the saddle so people can put their barn logos or their sponsor logos on it. We didn't want to leave that very important phase out. Oh, absolutely. You've got to have, you've got to have your brand on there, your colors on there, your favorite patch on there. That's part of the fun, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then we, the reason we did both is because some people still prefer the sheepskin. So we've got the sheepskin available and then the, also the Therawool. And the Therawool is a little bit of a different price point, not so much because it's not good Fleeceworks quality, but it's a different raw material. Because we can do multiple shearings off the same sheep, it comes in uh, significantly less than the sheepskin. And then it is a little bit more washable. I think people have preferred that because it's a little bit easier to take care of. I, so. I really like that rugged aspect because I'm not good at take. When I wash my saddle pads, I forget to put it on gentle. I tend to put them in dryers and stuff like that. So I'm really loving Therawool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more forgiving than the sheepskin. It is definitely more forgiving than the sheepskin. Yeah. It's more forgiving for those of us who cannot change the dials on our washing machines. <laughs> and thank you, once, thank you once again, Judy, for stopping by. Uh, when you folks go into your local tax stores, make sure you ask for Fleeceworks sheepskin saddle pads and Fleeceworks Therawool saddle pads. And if they don't have them, you need to get a hold of Judy. She can be found over there at fleeceworks.com. I'm very excited to uh, have Brandy Ronick, the 2012 Team Individual and Freestyle Gold Medalist, riding Waltino's Magic. Waltino's Magic was the gold medalist from the Pan American Games last year, and uh, Brandy is leasing him for the next bit of time, and we're happy to have her on and hear about her experience at the Young Rider Championships. Brandy, welcome to the show. We can't wait to hear about your week at Young Riders. How did it go? It was absolutely amazing. I couldn't have asked for any more perfect of an experience than I did. It was awesome. Magic is probably one of the coolest horses I've ever gotten the opportunity to sit on. And he gave me his all. And, you know, it was our first big competition together. And he's a little nervous, and I was a little nervous. But him and I, we pulled it together. And, you know, for such a short time, him and I have been together um, we've, we've created such a strong and, um, amazing partnership full of trust and faith in each other. And, you know, we just took care of each other in the ring and all worked out well. So he was a really good boy and the heat was terrible. And both of us were just ready to just fall and go to sleep in the stall. And, you know, I felt really bad for him, but like, with all the heat and with all the stress with the jumpers and everything, you know, he was so good. I couldn't have asked for any perfect of a horse to do this with. Now, Brandy, was this your first year at Young Riders at the championships? No, this is my fourth year at the championships. This is my third year as a Young Rider. And how is this experience different than maybe your previous ones? And, and maybe have you changed your game plan or done anything um, different or just stuck to the same it's the same thing. You know, every year for me has been different. Um, two years, my junior year and one of my young rider years, uh, you know, I've ridden the same horse. But every single year I've ridden different horses. So, you know, you always have to adjust uh, each year program to 
what suits the horse best. You know, I'm always the same in my mental game, but, you know, sometimes you got to change, like, a program, like what time you're going to ride or, like, how you're going to do something at the barn different. Um, you know, every year I've come out and my horses have given me their all, and every year has been very successful for me and my horses both. Um, but, you know, I try not to change too much, you know, minus the obvious you know, um, workout routines with each individual horse, but I try to keep the same mental focus and the same mental game. And, um, every year I kind of try to come out and do the same thing. Well, and it was, it was a tough year, wasn't it? Because they really changed. We were on, we were off, uh, the schooling times were different. How did you kind of deal with that pressure? Um, you know, I try not to think about it because, you know, the worst thing you can really do is stress yourself out in situations like that. There's really not much you can do. And for me, from what I've experienced and from what I've seen from other riders is if you focus too much on things like that, then it's just going to turn up into the arena and, um, you know, you never want to have, uh, distractions going on in your mind and have and just have something take take you off your game so it didn't bother me you know when they told us that we were um, having a a schooling change a time change I you know I just went with it and I was like all right doesn't bother me my horse is fine and I just went in and you know I didn't focus on anything other than taking care of my horse and making sure he was happy and comfortable that's good. Now, is um, was there a special moment from this championships you can tell us about? Um, you know, the whole entire experience this year, you know, every year that I've gone, it's always, there's always been something special specifically. But I think this year, you know, getting the opportunity to be able to sit on such an amazing animal like Magic, um, you know, to be able to share the uh, experience with um uh, the owners of Magic, Bruce and Jen Lebacek, you know, it's my first time ever showing and riding someone else's horse. So just being able to share that experience, like, with someone other than my mom and, you know, my trainer, it was truly something really incredible. And, you know, it was really good for me because it was a great eye-opener for what I'm going to have in the future when I decide to step up my game and take this uh, in the career path. Um but I must say, like, the whole special moment for me that, like, minus uh, all my rides would probably be the experience I got to share with Magic's owners. It's really cool to be able to share that experience with other people. That's fabulous. I think that's always pressure. Um, so how did you feel uh, going into your team test, your first kind of big one? What happened there? Um, you know, it was a little tough. Uh, Magic and I, we were in New Jersey for eight weeks training with Stefan before, so we were in the humidity a little longer. And, you know, he had to do the 12-hour haul from New Jersey to Kentucky. And I think he was just a little tired, but, you know, he's a really good boy, and I was really proud of him. But, you know, I didn't have the huge, powerful horse that I usually do in my test. Um, it was a little bit more of me making him do the move to move um, instead of him being like, all right, well, I'm completely fine. I'll just blow through this test and you can just correct me when you need to. Um, but for as tired as he was and for as much uh, time in the humidity, which he isn't used to being from California, I felt that, you know, for a first day, uh, we went in and we rocked a very steady, clean test 
you know, it's always important on the first day to go out there and have a very clean, consistent test because, you know, the team test is, is the first appearance you're going to show the judges. And, you know, I always say, and I said it to all my teammates, and I was, we were joking about it at the barn, you know, uh, as much as you want to go out on team day and freaking go for it and be like, all right, we're going to give in our best shot, um, you know, you really have to focus and think, you're, you know, the judges are going to score the most clean, consistent rides the highest. And that's what I went in, and I didn't focus on doing anything absolutely spectacular. And you know what? Um, it really showed our team. We just went in there, and we had a very nice, steady test, all of us. And it really showed up, and we and we won the gold medal because of it. Now, um, Stefan was not able to be with you at the championship. How did you manage without your regular coach there? Um, you know, I Stefan's always uh, when Stefan and I work together. Um, you know, I'm not, he's always trained me not to be so dependent on him because, you know, uh, he says if I want to do this as a, a career and I want to continue, you know, I, I can't always be like, oh, where's Stefan? I need Stefan for this, I need Stefan for that. So at home, he's already having me wean off him a little bit and, like, I'll do times on my own without him. So coming here, you know, there's a lot of competitions, like, in the past and then, like Kentucky, and then there will be a lot in the future to where I won't have Stefan to be able to guide me step by step by step. So it was actually a very good, as much as it was very sad for me, I was I was sulking in my stall a few times because I missed him. But, you know, it's, it's a very um, good experience, you know, to be able to go out there and, um, you know, take what your trainer has taught you and then have your mom as your eyes on the ground who's known you and who have brought you up as a rider. You know, as sad as it is without, without Stefan there, you know, Stefan has taught me as a rider, you know, not to be dependent on trainers because I need to be my own trainer if I want to be this, um, you know, big rock star in the dressage world one day, which, you know, is my dream. So I, was, I, was, I wasn't thinking about it, but, you know, it was definitely sad for me. I did not like it. <laughs> well, you did a beautiful job. So, Brandy, what's your uh, kind of your next plan with Magic and your riding career? Um, well, right now, Magic and I, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're aiming towards Young Rider World Cup, and if we make it, then we're going to go do that. Um, for future plans past that, there are none as of right now. Um but you never know in the future what other opportunities might jump ahead. I'm really close with his owners, so you never know. But um, with my own horses, um, I re- I'm moving my horses up to the Brentina Cup. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to take them out into the Brentina Cup next season or if I'm just going to play with them in the Open Grand Prix. Um, but I am moving my horses up to the Grand Prix, so it'll be fun and entertaining. So I'm really excited to take the next jump into the next level with my horses. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for coming on the radio show, and we wish you all the luck in the next few um, weeks and months. And uh, for the Young Rider World Cup, fingers crossed that you make it. You'll have to come back on the show and let us know how it goes. I would absolutely love to. Thank you guys so much. Our next interview is with Amanda Johnson. She is a owner, coach, and uh, alumni of the North American Young Rider Championship. Amanda, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You have such a unique perspective 
on uh, the the 2012 NAYRC championship. You not only uh, are a three-time alumni, you were a trainer of Nicole, and you are the owner of her horse uh, or of your horse, Pip, who came to the championships. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, what it was like to kind of fill all those roles? Well, it was so much fun. It was uh, fun to go full circle, you know, um, having coach somebody to young riders, but also having trained the horse. But, uh, Pip came to me for training when he was nine, and he was a very naughty training level horse. So he was kind of an old young horse, and I ended up competing him through Grand Prix, and we did the Brentina Cup, and also had some success at Dressage at Devon. So um, when he's 18 this year, I thought it would be great for him to drop down to the young rider level and, and teach, you know, teach somebody. So he, he just was such a superstar for, for Nicole and did really well for her and gave her a really good learning experience for for skin riders. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, what great advice could you give to your student having been an alumni of the, uh, of the Young Riders program? For young riders, when you're there at the time, it seems like the biggest event in, of your life. You know, you work all year for young riders, but then once you graduate, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, it teaches you a lot and how to prepare and how to show at a top level. And I think that's really what the kids need to get out of it is coping with that stress and learning how to perform under those stressful situations. And what was it like to be an owner? Like how did that feel to kind of give somebody that opportunity on a horse that you own? Oh, it felt wonderful. Um, Pip was, uh, you know, I, I, bought Pip this April, his owner, former owner, um, really supported me through my time with him. And so it was really nice to kind of pass that torch along to, you know, let somebody else kind of follow their dreams uh, and and be a part of that. That felt really rewarding and it, it was fun. It was kind of fun to sit back as an owner and be like, oh, that's my horse. And and when the judges had nice things to say about the horse, it, it felt really good, you know. And now, now I, I kind of have a uh, a nice owner's perspective when I'm working with my clients, you know, and the judges say nice things about your horse. You really like it. <laughs> so what is, what is your plan with Pip? Are you going to kind of re, you know, lease him to Nicole again? Uh, what's the plan with him? Well, we haven't quite gotten through to next year yet, but um, he's going to be leased to Nicole at least through the regional championships. And she has a clinic already lined up with Chris Hickey in August. So she's going to continue riding him. And then after that, I'm not sure. I would love to ride one more Grand Prix on him. I think that would be a lot of fun, but uh, I don't, we'll just have to see how that works out. He's definitely uh, available for her to lease again next, next year. And, and I, I hope to give lessons uh, to my other students with him. And I think he's got a lot to and Mandy, what would your advice be for, you know, all, all our riders were getting closer to the fall and to championship season and regional finals. What are some things that advice that you can give to people as they're getting ready for um, getting ready for championships? Well, whenever there's a really important competition coming up and you want to do really well, sometimes nerves get in the way. So what I like to try to do and tell my students to do is to visualize your riding your test. Um, you know, go in a dark corner, close your eyes, and really ride your test. So you have it memorized. You know exactly how to prepare for every movement. You feel yourself riding the test. And when you're riding your test, 
there's going to be these little issues that come up. You kind of know in the back of your mind with your training, just kind of ride through those issues so you can make it through your test without making a mistake. Um, so that that's what I like to do. So then when you actually do go down center line, you feel very confident because you've ridden the test already a million times in your head and your horse can feel that. Your horse knows when you know. Mandy, thank you so much, Amanda Johnson, uh, for coming on the show. Where uh, can we find you on the web? Uh, com. After this commercial from Equestrian Collections, we have Jeremy Steinberg. Hi, Glenn the Geek here, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. This week I want to talk about a new product we have on our site called the Shires H2 Go Bag. This is a new, ingenious idea. Whoever thought of it? It's a big sort of bladder. It's a plastic bladder that goes in your wheelbarrow. You fill it up with water, and it takes up to uh, up to 19 gallons. I mean, that's a lot of water. And then you can wheel your wheelbarrow wherever you need it to go, anywhere that you can't get a hose to. The reason I got one was because sometimes I park my horse trailer a little bit too far from the barn, from uh, where the hose goes. And so I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. So you put this thing in there, you put the water in there, you walk up, you just push, pull up the handles on the water bag, and the water comes out, and you've got water no matter where you need to go. It is heavy, so once it's filled, so be sure to remember uh, that you need to balance your wheelbarrow, especially if you have a one wheelbarrow. You have to balance it pretty well. Um, if you have a two-wheel barrel, you know, or the one that has the two wheels in the front, that might be a little bit better thing to use with this bag because it is heavy, and as the water sloshes around, it can get a little bit um, maybe, you know, to one side or the other. But I use it just fine with the single wheel and don't have any problem. So this is something I would certainly recommend, uh, especially if you need to get your water a little bit farther from the barn than where your hose goes. And, Glenn, I understand you know a little bit about this idea. Yeah, Helena, for, uh, my co-host on the Stable Scoop show, uses one of these and absolutely loves it because she has that bu- those buckets in the paddocks that are further away. And she uses this now, and, and it seems to be absolutely loving it. 20 gallons of water, and you can walk it right on out there. And you can find it by going to equestriancollections.com and searching for H, the number 2 G-O. H, the number 2 G-O, and it'll pop up at equestriancollections.com. Glenda Geek here, and thank you for listening to the Horse Radio Network family of shows. You have helped the Horse Radio Network grow into the largest radio network devoted to horse lovers around the world. Today, I wanted to take a minute to let you in on a new way to listen to the shows. You always could subscribe to our shows through iTunes and listen on your iPhone, iPod, or MP3 player. Now Apple has recognized what a big market podcasts have become and developed an app just for podcasts. With your Apple smart device like an iPhone, an iPod Touch, or an iPad, you can go to the App Store and search for Podcasts by Apple. Download the free app to your device and you're ready to get started. The next time you sync with iTunes, it will automatically add the podcast that you currently have in iTunes to your new library in the new app. And you'll find them all there with past episodes just all listed in there like they were in your iTunes account. 
But the beauty of this new app is that you can control the podcast right from the application. You can add new podcasts by using their search feature, and all the Horse Radio Network podcasts are in there. You can listen to the shows either by downloading them over your 3G or Wi-Fi connection. You don't have to do it through iTunes anymore. Or you can listen to them streaming without downloading them as long as you have a 3G or a Wi-Fi connection. Now, that will count towards your data time if you have if you have a, a maximum on your data plan, but you can listen to them streaming just like you would any streaming radio station now. We have added a page to all the show websites that describes this new app in case you're having trouble with it. Give it a try. There is a way that you have to finagle it to automatically download if you want them to automatically download the shows. So we put that on this page we put on the websites. Go to horseradionetwork.com. We've also listed there several apps that are available for Droid phones for listening to our podcasts. And don't forget, if you are an iPhone or an uh, iPod user, you can actually find our shows at the Hallway Feeds app. Just go to Hallway Feeds uh, in the App Store, download it, and you'll see the top thing right there is listening to our shows, and that is by streaming. But you can hear all the podcasts that way. And one reminder, if you search for Horse Radio Network in the in the podcast app, you'll find a Horse Radio Network feed that is all of our shows combined into one, so you don't have have to subscribe to them separately. You can find them all in one place at the Horse Radio Network Master Feed. And if you have a business looking to get the word out to the equine community, advertising with the Horse Radio Network is affordable and effective, and it's the way to do it. Learn why so many companies have been advertising with us for years. Visit horseradionetwork.com to request more information on advertising with the voice of the horse world, the Horse Radio Network. Thanks, everyone, and back to your regularly scheduled shows. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on the show this evening, and uh, I can't wait to hear your take on what happened at the Young Rider Championships last week. Yeah, you know, I every year I think the the actual show itself keeps getting a better and better quality to it in the riding and in the, the horse quality and everything. Um, I think it's been fun to watch the last couple of years with the uh, addition of the actual horse park at Kentucky, um, you know, bringing the Young Rider Championships there and, and making that, at least for the U.S., for the time being kind of a permanent base. Um, and I know the first year we brought it there, I, I didn't bring it, but I've been there now every year that it's been there and the the year before in Virginia and, you know, all around the country with it. And that that first year, you could really see the venue itself, you know, just in its sheer size, kind of take a little bit of a toll on the riders, being a little overwhelmed being in such a big stadium and having to deal. There's a 100 jumper show the last couple of years that's been going on at the same time as actually Young Rider Championships. And I think the first couple of years, it really caught the kids off guard and, you know, threw them for a loop to see, you know, a thousand horses in the stabling for the Hunter Jumper Show and have to ride into that giant stadium, um, you know, there at the park. And this year was, I, I started to notice that the kids were coming in a little more prepared for it. They knew what the showgrounds was about. They were ready for the stadium um, and ready for that kind of venue. And I think for what we want to do with these kids in the future and, you know, turning them into the riders that we want to represent the U.S. in the future, a venue like that is so important to have them in. And it's been, I think just over the last couple of years, it was really neat to see this year that those kids were better, better prepared for the venue. And I didn't I really, 
didn't see one of them kind of go in and, you know, have that deer in the headlights shock of, you know, looking up and seeing a grandstand as big as it is there at the, the horse park. So that, that was really nice to see. The, the quality of the riding, too, I think, this year was starting to come up. I've been pretty critical of that over the last few years. And uh, there was definitely a little better riding quality, I thought. I think it's nice because everybody, the quality of horses coming in is a little bit better and better. And I think it's good for the kids to have that competition in and amongst themselves to see, you know, better horses coming, better riders coming, um, and have to, in kind of that good, fair play, competitive environment, have to kind of work and inspire each other. And that's been fun to watch, too, over the last year or so, that bar coming up and the kids actually looking themselves to raise it amongst themselves. So. Um, good couple of years, I think, and, and this year in particular, just seeing some nice growth with the kids. That's great. Now, can you talk a little bit about the uh, the program, what's been going on with it um, right now, and uh, what the vision for the future for the juniors and the young rider uh, program the riders, yeah. is? I, I, you know, a couple of things. I think, you know, when, when USF brought me in as a youth coach for the, the kids, there was a real desire on everybody's end to have a coach in place for that group. Um, I think that whole first year was everybody, you know, kind of going, okay, now we have the youth coach. Now what do we do? You know, what do we want to focus on? Where do we want to put that energy and that attention? And, you know, they've left a lot of it up to me as far as helping shape that. And that's been really fun and daunting all at the same time, because I'm getting input from, every different direction as to where people think, you know, the program should go. And, you know, you have people on the the dressage committee and people involved on the coaching staff that are Olympians that have, you know, worked with young riders forever that are very outspoken, that, you know, all different people from different backgrounds that have a lot of really good, valid stuff that they want to see the program do. And USCF, luckily for me, has been very welcoming of kind of, giving me enough rain, so to speak, of the program to let me do what I want with it. You know, just checking in and making sure that we're all on the same page. But I think there's so many ideas right now. They're, they're really kind of happy and pleased to go, okay, let's just, you know, get on a, a program and go with it. And my vision with it right now is really to get these kids, which we, we keep having, and I came through the program, and uh, Reese, I think, also did Young Riders, right? We're, yes. We're all coming through as young riders and graduating out and going, okay, now what? You know, now at 21, 22 years old, they're having to become horse trainers, um, you know, or become professionals in some way. And I, I just kept seeing that there's not the skill set to give them or that they had when they were graduating out of the program to really be competitive riders on an international level or having the skills to be able to really run a business on their own. And so my, my plan right now, my, my vision with it is to, you know, the USCF keeps talking about a pipeline for the developing riders and the young horses and all that. And my vision is really to get the pipeline started. There's a lot of talk about it and a lot of programs getting started, but my idea is to link them all together and to start with the kids. And I have them now, a, a small group of them that's just getting young to, to go ahead and run with it, which is kind of a long-term training program that I want to put them in, um, which is more of a strategic planning training program of 
getting them at the age they're at now, 16, 15, 18, 21, sitting down with them, creating five-year plans, three-year plans, one-year plans, getting involved with their sponsors and their horse owners and their trainers, and basically coming up with a lifestyle that they need to be living over the next so many years to actually end up fulfilling the plan that they want to have. And my job right now as a youth coach with that is to sit them down, have that conversation with them, you know, kind of a check and balance of the trainer and with their parents of, of deciding whether that's really uh, realistic or not, or they could take on more or not, and setting them on that, that road and then working with them over the next few years um, and checking in and just making sure that all of these, you know, maybe quarterly check-in points that we're going to have with them, they're on course for what they want at the end of their one-year, three-year, kind of five-year plans. And I think it's really important for these kids now to start to understand a lot of us, you know, or or not just us, but, you know, young trainers that start in right out of young riders, they don't always understand what's involved in an Olympic Games or World Championships and getting it on that kind of three-, four-, five-year plan of going, you know, I want to ride in Rio in four years. I need to start now working with my horse and setting things up on a schedule and um, the training that I need and all of those things. So by the time, you know, 2016 rolls around, that's actually a realistic goal for me. And I think a lot of kids and young trainers right now don't have that that tool set. And uh, I think it's kind of going to be a cool thing to get going with them that will feed into the high performance later and I'm hoping is going to be taken over at some point by the high performance thing. For high performance riders, we have to create the same thing for our developing pre-St. George horses. Why are the horses slipping through the cracks? Why aren't they becoming Grand Prix horses the same way? We're saying to the kids, why, where did we lose the 16, 17, 18-year-olds that won Young Rider Championships and we never saw them again? And that's my big thing right now. I'm pretty passionate about not letting it happen. So, Jeremy, tell us, if we had a kid in, in the barn and they wanted to become part of the program, what's the step to uh, kind of get to the level uh, where you could step in? Yeah, that's, that's one of the hardest things right now, just because everything, unfortunately, is, is really result-based. And, you know, in one way, it's unfortunate because it's, you know, we're not able to, I'm not able to grab every kid, right, and, and have that personal contact with them because, you know, it was like I was talking with the USCS staff this weekend, that young riders going, you know, I think as far as the coaching staff goes, um, you know, the job of the youth coach is actually in a, in a funny way, the most daunting because we're at a horse show right now with 70 some odd kids and I'm responsible for all of them. And, you know, you send the high performance coach to one of those shows and they're not having to deal with 70 riders and those, 70 riders that we had at Young Riders, there were still quite a few that were left at home that didn't make a team or didn't get to go, and there was so much manpower. So it's one of the hard things right now is to go where and how do we get involved with them, where's the cutoff, you know, how do we decide who we're going to work with and who we're not going to work with. And so the current system is basically, you know, based on, you know, a certain amount of competition results, not saying that they have to be winners, you know, or be even, you know, high scores. There just has to be something that we can you know, with an itemized list saying this kid is doing this and this and this and, and prioritize them in a way to get, get the help to them. I think as far as like on a grassroots level, you know, with, with a, just a kid in a barn that's starting doing juniors, doing first level, you know, anything really. And the kid is under 21, that kind of fits that group. I'm doing 
clinics for USDF right now that you have the platinum uh, performance younger, what do they call those, the FCI junior pony and young rider clinics. Um, they're doing pretty much one in every region and literally every kid is able to apply for those. And that's what I'm encouraging all of those kids to really reach out for right now. And if they can't come to them and they don't, um, you know, they don't make the cutoff for them to come and audit because it's at least a place where there's going to be a clinic at least close to them at some point in time over the next year that somebody, you know, and it's not always just me for those clinics. George Williams teaches them also. Jan Abling also teaches them. It's a place where they're going to be able to see the other kids in their region, get a bunch of their questions answered, and start to feel like they're at least involved in the the kind of, you know, uh, a train of uh, young rider stuff that's starting for them. Um, I think one big thing, too, that I'm trying to just get out there to everybody is USDF is sending me to a bunch of shows or the youth coach to a bunch of shows over the next couple of years. And there's a lot of talent scouting that's going on on my end at those shows. So if you're a rider under 21, you see me at a horse show and I have my, you know, like Scott Hasper says, I have my USES hat on. I'm there in USES capacity. Come up and introduce yourself so that I can see who you are, put a face to the name on your horse, even if it's a training level class, because in a year or two years, it might be something where there's a, a new horse or a clinic that comes along or something where there's an opportunity there for that kid in there right on the cutoff of they don't quite fit the criteria to make the clinic. When I get a phone call, you know, youth coach, we have 10 kids applied for the clinic. These three are on there. And I've already seen the one. I know the person. I've seen them ride. I'm going to go for the one that is a known quantity. So, for those kids that aren't quite hitting the program, if they see me around, just come up and say hi. Make sure we're friends on Facebook. Make sure I know who you are. So when it, those opportunities do present themselves, we can give them to as many people as we can give them to. Now, Jeremy, how are you overcoming the problem of having such a such a huge country to deal with? I mean, in Europe, the countries are small. You can get the riders together. You know, that, that seems a lot easier. Does it just mean just a ton of travel for you? Yeah, you know, that that's one of the big debate issues right now, I think, within, you know, not the big debate, but that's the big question point, I think, within the, the USDF and within the, the, the people that are kind of involved with the youth programs right now is what's the best way to get all the information out to everybody in the country my feeling on it is, and part of my presentation with, you know, applying for the youth coach position was travel. You know, who's ever in this youth coach position has got to be willing to be on an airport week. Because you, you, you look at this country, and if you take the size of our country and you take all the high-performance riders, all of those high-performance riders have to end up somewhere at some point in time on one of the coasts, you know, somewhere. They have to, to do what they want to do. The juniors and the young riders, one, they don't have that ability, and two, they don't have to do that because there's qualifiers for our national championships, there's qualifiers for NAJYRC, all within their regions. So, you know, that travel is going to be less on there, and they're not going to be making it to the coast, they're not going to be as far south. So there's no way to be able to say, okay, we're going to have you know, uh, three clinics a year, two here, three here, you know, one here, and all the kids in the country have to get to them. It's never going to happen. 
you know, and it, it's the same, I think, with running a camp. You know, if we have these young rider camps or these youth camps, it's a fantastic idea, but we can't get the kids there on their horses. You know, we can sometimes get them there, that they come in, they fly in, and they audit the clinic, but they can't always get the help with their horses. So for me, I really made it clear with USES that, you know, my, my life, my, my job, my work right now outside of the youth program is teaching and traveling. That's the majority of my business. I don't, I, I keep a very small business at home, so I can travel in clinics as much as I do because that's where my passion is. So when it came to the riders, my, my take on it is you have to take the youth coach and get it to the young riders and not try to get the young riders to the youth coach. So USDF stepped up and said, hey, you know, we'll put you in as our one of our clinicians for, the, you know, the young rider clinic series they've been running for 20 years. So they put the USEF youth coach in for that. USEF is also going to start running some um, elite training sessions starting hopefully in October right now. Um, those are going to be a little bit more coastal-based, but it's going to add to the already up-and-running USDF clinic, basically to just help um, supplement and, and make those even bigger so that more kids can get in and get more help. And USCF is also sending me to, you know, four, five, six, four shows a year. And that, I think, on the youth coach end, that has to be something where we're traveling or the coaching staff for the youth is traveling to them instead of getting them to come in because I think it's just with school, with some of them not even having a driver's license, which is going to involve more people getting them transported to where they need to go. A lot of parents aren't going to send, you know, a 17 with a horse trailer and, and their horse, you know, eight hours down the road to go to, to, to a clinic or whatever. So we have to get to them. And that, that's something I'm pretty passionate about making happen so that the kids don't have to get out of school, pulled from school, pulled programs they're already doing and pull their parents and pull their trainers and do all that. Well, Jeremy, it's, you do a great job and you are so relatable to all the youth and all the kids around. I've seen you work and you do a, a fabulous job. So, uh, Jeremy, where can we find you on the web? My, my website is Steinberg hyphen Bryant dressage at yeah dressage.com that's it um you can also just put in my name jeremy steinberg and google and my website's going to show up well that was really fun to have jeremy on the show and he had great insight about where the uscf programs are going for the youth uh in the united states and uh he has he's very easy to talk to and so i encourage everyone out there to uh email him or call him and or audit a clinic where he's going because uh, he's a great guy and, and doing wonderful things for the youth program but philip i am so excited about next week's show we are having kathy Connolly. Uh, she is an FEI coach and trainer, and uh, she was also she did the commentary at the WEG in 2010. Uh, she is going to be our uh, commentator next week, and we're going to talk all about the team competition and the individual and who really to be looking for during the Olympics. Yeah, that special episode will be out on Tuesday, so a little earlier than our regular day, but we wanted to get it in before the Olympics start on Thursday. So uh, hopefully everybody will tune in for that because I think it'll be uh, give a lot of great information coming into the games and and uh, and how we think it's going to go. Yes, and I don't know about you, but I am so excited about the opening ceremonies and about the Olympics in general. 
I love everything Olympic, and uh, I will not get much sleep with all the 24-hour coverage. Uh, I can't wait. I love the swimming. I love the gymnastics. I can't wait to hear, uh, you know, how our U.S. team did and David Marcus, all the all the guests we've had on the show. Uh, so I have my fingers crossed for everybody that they have the ride of their life, and I uh, can't wait to kind of talk about it. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. So if uh, you have any questions, please feel free to email us or give us a, a shout out on Facebook of uh, things that you'd like to talk about uh, on our preview show. Uh, we will get it in. Philip and I will we'll try our hardest to, to get that information to Kathy. So we look forward to it. And uh, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com or email me philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fleeceworks and Equestrian Collections. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we look forward to talking with you next week. 